Well, welcome to At The Movies. Did we say we're going to have just a little bit of fun? Man, we hope that you guys are as excited to be here as we are diving into this new series that we look forward to every single year. My name is Ben. I'm the lead pastor here at CORE. And our hope for this series is simply this. Our hope is that you and your family, if you have one, can walk into this place and experience something different and experience something unexpected over the course of the next five weeks. You see, every single week as we move through this particular series, what we want you to know is this. Whether today is your hundredth time here, your first time here, or maybe you're simply checking us out online, that this is a place that wants you to know from the very first time that you encounter us that we want you here, and that we did all of this for you, because our hope was that maybe, just maybe, over the course of this series, or whether you're here for just a week of this series, that you may be able to see the local church just a little differently because of this series, and that you may be able to see Jesus just a little differently because of this series. See, around here, if you haven't noticed yet, one of the things that we believe with all of our hearts is this. We believe that we have a God who isn't boring, and so church doesn't have to be either. And as we move through this series, every single week you will experience a new movie, some new experiences within the service itself, some new takeaways that can apply to all lives and the things that we're moving through in our real, real world every single day. And we thought in order for you to experience the church just a little bit differently, there was no better way that for us to do that than throughout the movies. Because I believe that deep inside of many of us, there is this heart, this desire, this craving for movies. We all love the movies. Regardless of what genre you may love, there is just something that is captivating about the smell of popcorn when you walk into the theater. And over the course of the next five weeks, we're going to have a blast together. But today, we find ourselves diving into part one of this series by exploring, as you just experienced, the title track from the movie, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. And in our lives, many of us encounter what this movie centers on. You see, throughout this series, even if you walk in during a particular week and you've never seen the movie before, we're going to do our very best to get you up to speed and to give you the gist of what the movie is about. But Black Panther Wakanda Forever picks up in the opening scene of the movie with something that is rarely discussed and rarely happens within the context of the superhero genre. You see, this movie directly talks about and deals with the death of the superhero himself. And a nation and a family who is grappling with how to move forward after a significant loss in their life a loss that completely flips their world upside down, and trying to figure out what it looks like to be able to move forward from that significant loss. And so in order for y'all to get up to speed with me, if you've never seen the movie before, I wanted to share it with you guys, the opening scene of the movie, and exactly what is taking place as the Black Panther has passed away and as a nation is dealing with the grief on the other side of that. Check this out. Times we resonate with superhero movies because deep inside of all of us as humanity, there is this desire for us to live a life and tell a story that saves the day. That we all deeply desire to make a larger than life impact on the world around us. 
And yet in this particular superhero movie, it resonates with all of us because it deals with something that is real and evident in every single one of our stories. You see, this particular superhero movie deals with the impact of loss in every single one of our lives. This inevitability that on this earth, with the time that we have, all of us will experience loss. All of us will experience pain. All of us will experience hurt. And whether you admit it or not, or want to spend the time thinking about it or not, that reality is true in every single one of our lives. Regardless of who you are, regardless of how young or old you are, regardless of what your life and your story has looked like up until this point, the reality that all of us can acknowledge when we look close enough and get honest enough is this, is that every single one of us have dealt with moments of loss more times than what we'd like to remember. And the reality is, is that that inevitability in our life is not something that has really been pulled over our eyes or shielded from us, from the God of the universe who created us. You see, when the God of the universe put on flesh and stepped onto the pages of history in the form of a man named Jesus, he made it very clear that in our time on earth, this thing called loss would be inevitable in every single one of our stories. That regardless of who we are, how wrong or right we've gotten it in our past, we would all inevitably experience loss in our lives. So much so that one of Jesus' disciples, a guy by the name of John who followed him around for three years, records Jesus saying this very thing before he went to the cross. In John chapter 16, Jesus says this, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Here on earth, regardless of who you are, you will experience trials, sorrows. You will experience pain and loss in your life and in your story. And you see, this is one of those things that I admire about my God so much. Because oftentimes in our lives and in the difficult circumstances of our lives, we have been led to believe that if Jesus really loves us or if we're really in right relationship with God, then our time here on earth should be all rainbows and butterflies. And yet the truth of the matter is Jesus makes it abundantly clear that couldn't be further from the truth. Every single one of us will experience these moments of loss in all lives and in our story. We have a God who has always been honest about what life here on earth looks like has always been honest about the fact that pain and hurt has been a part of the story of this earth and will be a part of our stories as humanity. Not by his choosing, but because he loved us enough to allow us to make our own choices. And I don't know about you, but I choose my own way an awful lot. And my own way sets our world on a path that the world was never intended to travel. My own way introduced pain and hurt and suffering and loss into this world and into the story of humanity. So much so that when we look back 3,000 years ago into one of God's greatest promises ever, one that if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard countless times, what we often miss is embedded in one of God's greatest and most hopeful promises is actually two promises that give us insight into what our life and our time here on earth has always looked like and will always look like. A guy by the name of David in Psalm chapter 23 
writes this. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. And for many of us, we cling to the hope of the second promise within this passage, that when we walk through the junk of life and the messes of life, we have a God who walks beside us, a God who is with us. And yet the reason that that is so hopeful is because of the first promise that exists within this passage, even when I walk through the darkest valleys. Notice there is no if here. There is only a when because all of us in all lives will experience loss. Every single one of us have experienced this inevitability in different forms. For you, it might simply be the loss of a job, the loss of a dream, the loss of a baby through miscarriage, the loss of financial stability, the loss of a loved one. Or for you, the loss may come in a form in which it's so easy to overlook, you don't even recognize that a loss exists. You haven't physically lost somebody you love, but you had a child who was diagnosed with something. And what you fail to recognize is that life as you knew it will never be the same. It will never go back to that again. And there's been a loss in your life of the way things were and an adjustment that needs to happen into the way things are moving forward. Or sometimes even in life's greatest blessings, we don't recognize that there is loss involved in that. When you had your very first child, and you held that baby in your arm and you thought of the incredible blessing that that baby would be and has been in your life. Well, you also failed to recognize that there was loss involved in that. Because between you and your spouse, things will never go back to the way they were before you had that baby. It will never be just the two of you ever again. There is a degree into which your life has changed significantly in that moment. And there is loss involved in that. You see, all of us in life will experience loss. We will all walk through dark valleys. But we weren't meant to stay there. In our lives, we will all walk through dark valleys. But the hope is this. We weren't meant, we weren't intended to stay there as we move into our futures. You see, this is the danger of loss in all lives. Loss is a powerful thing. So, so powerful that if we allow it to, loss will knock us to our knees and keep us there permanently. But we have an opportunity to fight back. We have an opportunity to change the, the, the story of what loss does in our lives and in our futures. If we choose to recognize that even though loss is inevitable, staying there was never meant to be permanent. There is hope for us to move forward, hope for us to experience something different, hope for us to experience health on the other side of loss. But there is a battle that rages inside of all of us in the aftermath of loss. We see this very thing happening in the life of T'Challa, who is the Black Panther who has just passed away, and his sister. Suri is the princess of Wakanda. And yet in Suri's story, what we know is that she was incredibly close with her brother. 
And she is grappling with what it looks like to be able to move forward in the aftermath of his loss. How to deal with the pain and the grief that's associated with that loss in her life. And ultimately what we find is this. Is that as she thinks about the loss in her life and refuses to, to move forward in a healthy way. The pain from the loss in her life begins to create these feelings of hatred anger, animosity, and even a need for vengeance that begins to control her life and control her actions. It begins to be detrimental to who she is physically, mentally, emotionally. And what we find is that instead of dealing with the loss in her life, it is far easier for her to ignore it. Check this out. If I even think about the pain and loss that I've experienced, I'll burn the world and everyone in it. That if pain and loss is not dealt with in the right way, it can wreak havoc in every one of our lives and in every one of our stories. This became real for me at 17 years old. I'll never forget, I was getting ready in my bedroom for my senior homecoming. High school students in the room, you can relate to this as homecoming is just around the corner in your life. As I was standing there getting ready, the phone rang. My mom wasn't home, and I picked up the phone. Yes, one of those that had a cord attached to it in my bedroom. High school students, you can't relate to that. As I picked up the phone, my father was on the other side of the line. And he began to describe to me that he thought he was somewhere in Mansfield, but he had no idea how he got to where he was, where he was, or how to get home. And in that moment, it set the stage for loss in my life and in my family's life. Within five years, my father had passed away from early onset Alzheimer's. Before 60 years old, and there I was, barely past 20. I had just graduated from college, had gotten my first adult job, had moved into my first place, I've been dating a girl for about a year who became my wife. Marriage wasn't that far around the corner. And there I was trying to figure out for the first time in my life at 21, 22 years old, how to deal with loss and grief in my life in a healthy way. And when I look back on those moments of my life, what I see here standing here 15 years later is that there are still repercussions in my life that have been caused because of the way in which I dealt with that pain and that loss in an unhealthy way 15 years ago. Because I didn't know how to move forward in my life and I didn't know how to deal with that level of pain, hurt, and loss. And yet what if I told you there was a way forward. That even if we haven't gotten it right up until this point in our life, in our stories, with the loss that we've encountered, that there is a healthy way for us to move forward from this day forward. And yet the million dollar question is this, right? How? How do we do that and how do we begin to, to move forward in our lives and experience something better and healthier on the other side of loss that is inevitably coming for us in the time that we have left on this earth? 
How do we stop treating the losses in our life like we treat the skunk in the middle of the road? You know what I'm talking about. And when we see that dead skunk in the middle of the road, we believe that the only choice we have is to push the gas just a little bit harder and to not breathe through our nose for the next 40 seconds, and then maybe we won't have to experience the unpleasantness that comes with it. And when we encounter loss in all life, if I just keep my head down and move just a little bit faster and I don't think about it, like what Suri says, I just don't think about it, then maybe the pain from that will go away. Then maybe the after effects of that won't really affect me. And yet what we all know is that loss in our lives doesn't work that way. It doesn't magically go away just because we don't think about it just because we choose to ignore it or not deal with it in our lives. But in order for us to deal with it and deal with it in a healthy way moving forward so that we can have an incredible future on the other side of the losses that are coming in our future, what I want to introduce you guys to is this. Five simple, essential, but unnatural steps that we can take in our lives, in our story, for our future and the aftermath of loss that will help us heal from that loss and won't allow the losses of our life to wreak such havoc on us physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually as we move forward in our lives. And so what are those five essentials? The first is this, is that in the aftermath of loss, the first essential step that we must take that often for many of us, probably at least half of us in this room that doesn't come naturally, is that we must choose to grieve. And the reason why I say it doesn't come naturally to at least half of us in the room is because at least the experience I can speak from as a man is this, is that for those of us as men in this room, oftentimes grief does not come naturally to us. And the reason why it doesn't come naturally is because we have misdefined what grief really is. You see, if you're anything like me, when you think about grief, you automatically associate grief with crying. And I don't like crying. I don't want to do it. I will avoid it like it's the plague. And yet in its truest definition, grief isn't crying. In its truest definition, grief is simply this. It's the acknowledgement that something has been lost. Grief is this reality in our lives that we are capable of admitting something can't be fixed until we first admit that something has been broken. That we must acknowledge what has been lost in our lives if we are ever going to be able to adequately heal from that loss. That we must allow ourselves in our own way, in our own shape, in our own form, in our own style to break and to admit that we have been broken and the aftermath of our loss. There is this powerful moment about halfway through the movie. It's a scene in which two uh, of the major characters in the movie, one of them we learned to be uh, T'Challa's wife, Nakia, is sitting down having a discussion with the leader of the guard of the Wakandan army, Okoye. And as they're having this discussion, Okoye begins to, to share with Nakia the amount of hurt that the people of Wakanda felt because Nakia was not present at T'Challa's funeral. And they couldn't believe why she couldn't be there. And as they have this conversation, Nakia begins to reveal the steps that she had to take, this essential step that she had to take in her life in order to heal properly from the loss she had just experienced. Check this out. 
second it happened. I couldn't just continue to live my life in the aftermath of loss by the skunk treatment. And if I just move faster and I don't pay attention to it, then maybe it will just all go away. I had to acknowledge that something had been broken inside of me in order for me to adequately heal. You see, this is the incredible thing about the God that we have. Our God knew that in all lives, it would be inevitable that we would go through hurt, loss, and pain. A hurt, loss, and pain that he didn't intend for you and he didn't intend for me. That was by our doing as humanity. And yet a God who loved us so much that he never once is a God who loved saying, I told you so. When you chose your own way, I told you this was going to be what happened. Never a God who who said, tough luck, it was your fault, now figure it out on your own. A God who in the aftermath of our choices the aftermath of our hurt and loss caused by those choices wants to give us a solution for healing, wants to bring us comfort, wants to begin to put us back together. And that same guy that we talked about earlier, Jesus, when he walked onto the pages of history and one of his most famous messages ever talked about that very concept, that if we will acknowledge we are broken Our God is in the business of putting us back together. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are willing to acknowledge that they have been broken. And when we do that, we will be comforted by the God of the universe. That's how much he cares. But that's also how important grieving is to the healing process in our lives. And guys, I get it. I'm just as guilty as the rest of us. I hate crying. I don't want to do it. And yet what I can acknowledge is that if I associate that with grief, and in my association of that with grief, I just choose not to grieve, that is far from the healthiest solution for my life, my family, and my future. And we have to find a way to acknowledge the loss in our lives. And it may not be crying for you. It may manifest itself as a screen session between you and your windshield when you're driving in the car by yourself. Or you go to one of those break houses, I don't even know what it's called, where you just like smash stuff. You just got to let it out, and you just got to find a way to allow yourself to break and allow yourself to acknowledge that hurt. Because when you don't, essentially what you become on the inside is like that two liter of Mountain Dew. You experience loss, and it shakes you up to your core. And yet you keep everything bottled up inside, and then you experience another loss, and it's like status quo. This is what I've always done, and it shakes me to my core, but I'm not going to let anything out or acknowledge that anything's wrong. And then you experience another loss, and you get shaken up a little bit more until one day you turn around, and things have exploded, and you have a mess on your hand because you weren't really willing to acknowledge, first and foremost, to take this step to grieve to admit that something's been broken because of the loss you experience. The second step in the aftermath of loss is for us to make the choice, again, unnaturally, to surround ourselves. You see, I get it. Oftentimes when we experience hurt and loss, our initial reaction is, I just want to be alone. 
And yet even though that's the easiest response, it doesn't make it the healthiest response. See, the losses in life, like I said earlier, will knock us to our knees and keep us there if we allow it to. But there is a battle tactic, a fighting tactic that we can employ in our lives that helps us fight back against the losses of our lives, keeping us permanently on our knees. And beneath the feelings of of anger and betrayal and frustration, and this isn't fair, and the need for payback or vengeance if we've been hurt at the hands of somebody else. King Solomon, one of the wisest men to ever walk on this earth, talks about this battle plan in our lives as we experience loss and as we go through the struggles of life. This is the advice that King Solomon gives to you and I as we experience the battles of life. He says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You know the picture that Solomon is painting for you and I here? In all lives, when life attempts to break us, when doing it by ourselves, we are easily broken, easily defeated. But if two or three of us can come together in the moments of hurt and loss, if we surround ourselves with others, those are the moments where we are not easily broken. Suri finds herself experiencing even more loss. It's a moment in her life where it feels like the hits just keep coming. Not only is she still grappling with how to deal with the loss of her brother, but we find one of the enemies of the Wakandan nation, a guy by the name of Neymar, comes to the kingdom of Wakanda and murders her mother, the queen of Wakanda. Now, not only is she dealing with the loss of her brother, but now she's forced to deal with the loss of her mother. In that, she takes the same choice, the same route that she's always taken. I'll just continue to put my head down and I'll bury myself in my lab and try to come up with a solution that avoids the pain and the suffering and the hurt. And it begins to break her until one day in the middle of her lab, the unlikeliest form, a woman that there was still a tinge of animosity that you'll catch at the beginning of this clip comes to her side, stands beside her, and speaks life into her. Check out this moment.
You see, when we feel broken and dead, we need somebody who will stand beside us, someone who will speak life into us, someone who knows the hurt that you're dealing with and is capable of doing the right thing, saying the right thing, that becomes a salve to your wounds. We can't do loss alone and remain standing. But when we surround ourselves, it allows us to move through that loss and the aftermath of the loss in a healthy way. But for many of us, we have to fight back against what we've always done. We have to fight back against what comes natural and just saying, I'll figure this out myself. I'm more comfortable if I just do it alone. And we have to choose to allow somebody or a group of somebodies into our life. The third step is that in the aftermath of our loss, we must choose to extend grace. You see, oftentimes, here's the problem for many of us when we think of grace and forgiveness. For many of us, we've contrived this story that grace is all about letting the other person off the hook. And yet in thinking that, we miss the point of grace. Grace really isn't about the offender at all. Grace and forgiveness is about you. And here's why. Because when you've been hurt or offended at the hands of another person and you allow that hatred, that animosity, and that need for vengeance to dominate you, your life, and your thought process, here's what's essentially happening. You are giving the offender power over you that was never meant to be there. But extending grace and offering forgiveness now unchains you from the power that they are wielding over you. It allows you to take power and control back of your life and your healing process. Extending grace and offering forgiveness really isn't about the other person. It's about your healing process. Because you can't heal until you're first willing to forgive. And really, grace and forgiveness isn't just about you. Sure, it's not really about the offender, but if you're a parent in the room, you have a child who the inevitability of their life is the exact same as yours. And what that means is this, is that they will travel through countless moments of loss, hurt, and pain in their life and in their future as well. And you have an opportunity in your kids' lives to model what a healthy healing process from that loss looks like. You have an opportunity to show them how to heal from that pain and that loss that they will inevitably encounter in their future. You have a choice that you can either model what healthy healing looks like or you can allow the world to model what unhealthy healing looks like for them. That your offering of grace and forgiveness is setting the stage not just for you and your future, but also for your kids and their future as well. See, Suri, as we saw in the last clip, successfully recreates this heart-shaped herb that allows someone to become the Black Panther. And in recreating successfully this heart-shaped herb, Suri becomes the Black Panther. And she finds herself in battle with Neymar, the one who had murdered her mother, 
the one who had put into peril her people and her nation, and the one who was causing significant fear in her life. And as she finds herself in battle with this arch enemy, someone who has caused so much pain in her life, she had this decision to make. And as all of this hatred and anger and animosity and a desire for vengeance was bubbling inside of her, would she allow her story to continue to be dominated by those things? Or would she allow the healing process to take place by extending grace? And this is the decision that we see Sarah taking. Did you catch what Suri said? Vengeance has consumed us. We must not allow it to consume our people. Anger and bitterness, feelings of unfairness, and vengeance may have been a part of your story up until this point, but we can't allow that to be a part of our kids' story. We can't allow that to be a part of our family's story, and we can no longer allow that to be a part of our story moving forward if we want to heal from the losses of our lives. See, for so many of us, as we walk through these losses of life, We've moved through life allowing hatred and discord and anger to be a natural part of what's festering inside of us. We've given those things power over us, but it's time for us to stop allowing those things to have power over us and our stories. And there's one more piece of extending grace that is so vital. It's a piece that's often overlooked as we go through loss and life. But we've all been there before. And I'm willing to bet that many of us have been the cause of these uncomfortable moments before as well. You see, we've all been in places where we've, we've experienced loss of some kind. And it's necessary for us in those moments to pre-decide to extend grace to the people who consider themselves to be our family, our friends, and even our acquaintances. Because what we've all experienced is this, is that in the moments where we've experienced loss and we encounter another person, oftentimes as humanity, we are in the habit of saying too much. And we think we're consoling the other person or we're offering comfort to the other person, but what we say really just has the potential to do more damage and create more animosity. That we say things like, oh, it's all going to be okay. I've been there before. God's working everything out for good. And we rattle off all these lines that we think are making the other person feel good. And what, what, what do we want to do in those moments? We want to lay holy hands on the other person in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You get me? And yet in those moments, we have a choice to make. Will we be people who are capable of pre-deciding to extend grace, knowing that those moments are coming where there will be people in our lives who just don't know how to shut up? And they say too much, and it has the potential to hurt us, but we don't want to allow that hurt and that anger and that animosity to wield power in our lives either. See, this is the advice that Paul gives. He says this in Colossians chapter 3. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. 
You see, healing will only happen for you and for me when we choose to extend grace. Not for them, but for me. Fourth step is to remember the good times. I'll never forget in the aftermath of my father's passing, a moment in my life and my family would probably echo the same thought that was therapeutic for me in the healing process. Right after my father had passed away, all of us as family went out to our back porch. And with the pastor there sitting around the back porch with us, we literally just shared stories about my father for hours on end. The things that we remembered and the funny moments that we had with him and the jokes that he always used to tell. And we laughed and we cried And it was this opportunity for us to remove our focus off of what we had lost because my father was no longer with us and to place our focus on what we had gained because we had that a part of our lives and our stories for X amount of years. It was an opportunity for us to step back from all the things we had lost over the course of the last five years and the hurt that we had endured and day after day, week after week, feeling as if we were losing another part of my father to Alzheimer's and he was turning into someone we didn't know and who didn't know us and couldn't call us by name. It was this opportunity for us to wipe away all of those bad memories and for us to refocus ourselves on the great memories that we had with him. At the very end of the movie, Suri comes back to this ritual, the burning of the funeral garments that her mother tried to walk her through earlier in the movie. And as she walks through this process, she, re- she receives sort of her final step of healing these wounds and this loss in her life. And she does so by looking back on all the great memories that she shared with her brother. Check this out. We can find healing in the aftermath of pain by taking the difficult step of not just focusing on the loss, but also allowing ourselves to remember the good memories that we have. Fifth thing is this, in the aftermath of our loss, we must choose to believe and trust that God cares. See, so often we've written this narrative in our lives and over our stories that the reason why we go through difficulty, that we experience loss, is because God must not care about my life and my world. And yet the reality is, is that couldn't be further from the truth. You have a God who loves you, a God who cares about you, a God who is big enough to hold the world in his hands and yet still understands when you go through the painful moments of life, who still walks beside you and climbs into the trenches with you, a God who mourns when you mourn, a God who hurts when you hurt, a God who grieves when you grieve, a God who wants to draw close to you when you experience the dark valleys of life and you feel like you just can't go on anymore, a God who wants to pick you up and carry you when you feel like you can't walk another step in the midst of the grief you're experiencing. 
A God who makes it clear time and time again in his world and in his word. No matter what narrative you've written, what myth you've believed, what the world has attempted to tell you, I am a God who draws near to you in your weakest moments. We find this in Psalm chapter 34, just one of these examples where God makes clear his love, his compassion for you when you feel broken. He writes this, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. In the moments of life where you feel crushed and brokenhearted, you're not walking through those moments alone. You have a God who has always been and will always be right beside you. A God who understands what you're going through who loves you regardless of whether or not you caused the hurt, were the reason for the pain and the suffering and the loss that you've experienced, a God who wants you to encounter healing in your life. But a God who doesn't just draw close to us when we are brokenhearted, a God who also provides a solution in the aftermath of our brokenhearted moments in the form of a hope, a living hope that is greater than any loss we experience, a living hope that is greater than, than any death we encounter in our life, a living hope that cannot be extinguished, cannot be put out, can never die. You see, one of Jesus' own disciples writes this. For in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This is the hope we have in Jesus a hope that was made real when 2,000 years ago he proved once and for all that no death this world can provide can stand up to who he is and the love that he has for us. When he defeated death in the grave, he was making it known that no death or loss we will ever encounter as humanity on this earth is bigger than him and the hope that he provides. We have a God who is the ultimate healer who is a comforter, a God who cares in those moments of our lives. And he wants us to heal by being willing to do the unnatural of grieving and surrounding ourselves and extending grace, remembering the good times and believing and trusting that he cares. But a God who cares about us and loves us too much to force his way in. A God who's saying, I want to be there and walk with you through it. I want to bring healing into your life and your story. But only if you invite me in. Only when you allow me to be a part of the messes and the brokenness and the hurt of your life. And when you do, that's when I step in. That's when I become the healer. That's when you experience something different in your future on the other side of loss what you've experienced in your past. Would you pray with me? With all eyes closed, all heads bowed. In this morning,
for some of us in this room, we walk in here broken. Brokenhearted from a present loss that we've experienced. Still a mess from a loss that happened a decade ago that we haven't properly healed from. It feels like we've lost hope. It feels as if there's no way out from the feelings of anger and bitterness and even vengeance that we feel deep inside of us. We've tried everything and nothing seems to work. And here we sit, hopeless, feeling as if there's nowhere to turn. And yet this morning, there's a different story to be written in our lives and in our futures. A story of hope and healing comes in the form of just simply saying yes to Jesus. A source of hope unlike anything this world can give. For some of us, we still face what feels like this insurmountable hurdle. This hurdle of I have no idea where to start. And if God really knows my past, there's no way that he wants to walk through my mess with me. And yet this morning, that false narrative goes out the window. That isn't true. You have a God who's extending a hand to you. A God who wants what's best for you, who wants you to heal, who loves you fiercely. It's just waiting for you to say yes to him. If today is the day where you're saying, man, I'm willing to give anything a try. But I don't know how to say yes to Jesus. It's as simple as just repeating these words in your own heart after me. God, today I acknowledge that I've been broken in my past. I've experienced a lot of loss. And I've tried to do it myself. And it's not working. And I feel hopeless. But today, I need you. Today, I choose this living hope that will not perish will not fade. Today, I'm asking you to come into my life, to come into my story, and to help me heal from these losses and this hurt. God, today, I need you. for all of us this morning. God, on this day, what we recognize is that it's so easy and so natural for us to allow anger and bitterness and even vengeance to take hold in our lives in the aftermath of loss. For us to just continue to do the same natural things. What comes easiest? And yet, God, we want to be healthier and the loss that's coming in our present and our future of all lives. 
God, help us to be people who are courageous enough to grieve, to surround ourselves, to extend grace, to remember the good times, and to focus our eyes on this belief that you care, even when life feels its lowest. And when we do that, God, we trust that you are a God who is by our side, a God who never leaves us, who never forsakes us. We thank you for that. It's in your name that we pray.